0: Has your life changed since you started following Jesus? There have been things in your life that you could see, that you recognize, or maybe other people recognize and say, hey, you know, you used to get really angry, or it used to be this way, and you're not doing that anymore. What's going on? Maybe maybe we could ask this, too. Has your life changed at all since you started attending real life, or maybe attending regularly? Just something to think about. One of my guilty pleasures um, is before and after pictures. You, you know about before and after? They don't call them before and after pictures anymore. They call them before and becoming pictures. I don't know if you see those on uh, social me- media, but, but those before and becoming pictures can be really inspiring, right? And I, I think that's what I like about them. Um, one of the things, though, I, I notice in those posts usually in their before and becoming pictures, is that many of the people who post those things share kind of the same sentiment. They, they say things like, you don't have to be who you've always been, right? They'll say something like that at the beginning to catch your attention. They'll say, uh, you can change your life. You can take control of your story. You can be the person that you've always wanted to be. And you get all excited when you see those pictures, right? But then at the end, there's always that little blurb that says, um, just buy my pill or sign up for my program, right? There's always something there that is like, you can do it, but you need this help. You need this thing to get you going. And I always wondered, you know, as I see those things, I look at those posts, I always wonder, could that person... Have changed their life the same? Could could they have lost the weight? Could they have done the thing and uh, whatever it is? Could they have done that without the pill, without the program, if they just applied themselves like they do with the pill or the program? So, could you accomplish the same things without that extra stuff if you applied yourself the way you do with it? And then I got to thinking: Does that even really matter? Does it matter that that we sometimes look for um, help or that little edge or that something to help get us over the hump? And, And I think really all of us probably need that in our lives. Yes, we could do it without the pill or without the program, but oftentimes that little bit of help gives us the motivation we need to accomplish the thing that we want. Like we just have a really hard time doing that stuff on our own. But if I take this pill, then I think, ooh, the pill's helping me. If I follow this program, then I go, ooh, this program, it's not just me. It's this thing, and it's helping me, and we're able to get through that stuff. I think we all need a little help to change the course of our lives. And I think that's true physically. I think it's true emotionally, and I think it's true spiritually as well. Can we all agree, uh, maybe, and and, and probably without very much debate, we could agree that our world seems to be spinning kind of out of control. Everywhere you look, there's a new problem, there's some new chaos around, there are people all around us at at work, and in our neighborhoods, and our friends, and, and maybe even people in your own family whose lives just seem to be a mess And they don't seem to be able to to make them any better. Like it just doesn't seem to be improving. It's just always one problem after another. And when we look out at the world and we go, humanity is suffering. There's problems and and struggles and and challenges. And and it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. And we wonder, why can't we just pull ourselves up out of this? But, But really, I think... What we see out in the world is a predictable slide. I think the first thing we see is hard hearts. Individuals whose hearts are hardening. Divorce is an ever-present possibility for even the seemingly strongest of marriages. Um, by the way, it's not your busy schedule. It's not, Uh. it's, it's, it's not your busy schedule, it, it's, it's not the other things in your life that, that cause you to leave a child in the back seat, it's a hard heart that causes that. When we torture animals and when we devalue life and when we kill nearly one million babies in this country every year, when we spend less and less time with our families, it's not work, it's not upbringing, it's a hard heart. And left unchecked, that hard heart gets worse. That hard heart then soon turns into a decline in decency. People used to say the, the please and thank you. It's just a matter of course. We just did that all the time. Now we throw full shakes through the drive through window. We cuss out clerks for following the rules. We don't just refuse to respect our elders. We laugh at their struggles. and We refuse to help. When a society gets to a place where individuals would rather film a fight or a drowning person with their cell phones in order to put it on their Twitter feed instead of helping, decency is dying. But it gets worse. When there's hard hearts and there's a decline in decency, people eventually come to the place where they simply exist to satisfy every sinful desire. And so we have young children sexting. We have moms and dads who've turned Halloween into an excuse to dress, uh, barely dress, and to get hammered. And to call it just an opportunity to unwind or to have some fun. We buy and sell young girls and boys in the sex trade. We chase every desire or drug no matter who we hurt or the lives we leave in our wake. We can now... Choose our gender as we sacrifice on the altar of sex our own identities in order to just be me, and yet even that doesn't stem the tide of suicide, because even now nobody loves me. None of this is a surprise, but it doesn't have to be your story. See, you can have a before and becoming picture, but you have to choose it. And so here's our bottom line this morning. If you don't remember anything else, just tuck this away. Who you are is who you choose to be. Who you are is who you choose to be. The only difference between the before and the becoming picture is a choice. And sometimes that choice was aided by a pill or a program or a person. But it ultimately comes down to just a choice. And I'm not talking today about your gender or your job or your Instagram feed. I'm talking about the person you choose to be regardless of your skin color or your sex or your social standing or any other individual marker you might choose to identify yourself because whoever or whatever you were before, if Jesus is your Savior, you're a child of the King. And so what you were before doesn't matter nearly as much as we think it does. Jesus isn't interested in who you think you are. He's interested in who you choose to imitate. He's not interested in who you think you are, because, right, we all got this picture of who you are. Jesus is interested in who we choose to imitate. And so no matter what descriptors you might use to characterize your before picture, ugly, addict, confused, lost, loner, loser, alcoholic, If Jesus is your Savior, who you are becoming is of more importance than who you were before. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the church that he started in the city of Ephesus, he spent some time in that letter correcting some wrong thinking that the church had and, and I think I've said this before, but it probably bears repeating. The New Testament is made up of really just letters that were written by the apostles, the followers of Jesus, written to different churches in the known world at the time. They'd plant these churches and they'd write letters to them, they'd receive letters from them, and they'd correct issues, or they'd encourage them. And and so what's happening in the city of Ephesus is the church there is being infiltrated, and and they're, they're getting mixed up about who they are becoming, and they're kind of living like who they were before. See, they thought their faith and their flesh could be two separate things. That they could choose to follow God in faith, to follow Jesus, to make Him their Savior, but in their flesh, they could continue living the way that they did before, but Paul and God had a different idea. And here's what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. So if you have your phone or a tablet or something, you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen, and it's also on the My Message Notes link on the website. You can follow it there as well. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 4 to the church there. I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, a Gentile is anybody who wasn't a Jew, uh, anybody who wasn't a believer in Jesus at the time. You must no longer live as those outside of Jesus do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. By the way, personal greed is like where all of that other stuff comes out of. But in verse 20, he says, that is not the way of life that you learned. It's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, just in case you missed it, because it was kind of quick and we moved through that pretty quickly, Paul starts out by saying this If you follow the Savior, you can't live like a sinner. If you follow the Savior, you can't live like you used to before. You can't continue to do the things that you used to do. If you follow the Savior, you can't live like a sinner because those who reject Jesus are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God. Not from life, okay, that's not what he's saying, but he's saying you're separated from the real life that God wants you to have in this life and in the life to come. They have a hardening of hearts, they've ditched decency, and eventually exist to indulge every kind of impurity that they can come up with. And he says, that may be who you were before you came to Jesus, but that's not who you're becoming. See, in verse 20, he goes on and he says, that, however, is not the way of life that you learn. This life where your heart is hardened and there's a a ditch of decency and and we indulge your sinful ideas, that's that's how you used to live, but that's not the life you learned when you heard about Jesus and were taught in Him. See, when you're outside of a relationship with Jesus, your thinking is backward and darkened. Because Satan has free reign in your mind, and you get to choose what you want to do no matter how disgusting or deceitful or delusional it is, right? Outside of a life of Jesus, your life really is up to you. So you get to do whatever it is that you want. By the way, it's not really up to you. The Bible says you can serve two masters. And, and he's talking about, um, we usually use that in the context of, of, of money, or Jesus, or, or God, following God, but, but really it applies to every area of our life. And so you're either a follower of Jesus or you're following Satan. There's no middle ground there. If you're not actively trying to look more like Jesus, Satan is involved and he's going to get you to think a certain way and do certain things so that your heart is hardened, so that you've ditched decency, that you eventually get caught up in all of this sin. But in a relationship with Jesus, you're not left to your own imagination. Paul says it's the life that you learn that's in accordance with the truth of Jesus. And so when I talk to people, sometimes I'll say, look, my idea of right and, and wrong, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, doesn't change by society's ideas I don't go to Fox News or CNN or C-SPAN or whatever to find out how I ought to think about things that are going on in the world. I go back to God's Word because this exists outside of me. And so it's not my own subjective ideas that rule my life about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. This Word of God tells me what's good and bad and right and, and wrong and how to live my best life and and, and how to live a life for Jesus so that he works for my good and his glory. And so I don't have to base those things on my own ideas, my own understanding, my own ability to think through things. I can go back to God's word and go, okay, what does God say about this? It's either acceptable or it's not acceptable. You can either do it or you can't do it. See, when we're left to ourselves in our own circular thinking, we come up with some pretty strange ideas. We abduct young kids and sell them to others for sex. We lock our children in cages while we indulge our addictions. We kill our unborn babies so they don't interrupt our lives. Instead of avoiding sex, which we enjoy and refuse to let anyone control, we void the life of another human being. We base our decisions on whims and wants and and wishful thinking. But when we choose to live for Jesus, we're taught how to live. We're taught how to live through His Word to not only enjoy life to the fullest, but to be a blessing to others, even seeking their good over our own. We don't do that outside of faith in Jesus. We don't seek the good of other people. We don't turn the other cheek as a matter of course. We don't pray for our enemies outside of faith in Jesus. It's the complete opposite of our before life. But once you come to Jesus, whether you're the old you or the new you depends on you. When you come to Jesus, whether you're the old you or the new you depends on on you, on what you choose, on how you choose to live. Paul goes on to say that when it comes to the old life, you should put off your old self because it's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. I, I think sometimes we have this thought that if we come to Jesus, then God just gives us all of this stuff, and all of a sudden, we don't want the things we used to want. We don't do the things we used to do. We don't say the things we used to say. That's not really true. God gives us the Holy Spirit when we accept Him to help us change our lives, but we still have to choose to do it. And if we choose to indulge in the same things we did before, we'll find out that who we're becoming is not like Jesus but like who we were. Now, I like to stay in one passage when I I preach. I don't like to jump all around. I used to do that back in the day, but I really like to, to stay in one passage because I don't want to muddy the waters as we're talking, I'd rather have you uh, get a good handle on one passage instead of, um, in, instead of a poor grasp on several different sections of Scripture. But today, I'm going to break that, and we're going to talk about some other passages because I think they fit perfectly with Ephesians 4. So to the church in Rome, Paul wrote this in Romans. Count yourselves as believers in Jesus, right? followers of Jesus, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ, who you were before and who you're becoming. says so there's two different things. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So we see all those things we've already talked about at play in that passage as well. There's death and there's life. There's who you were before and who you're supposed to be becoming. You're either following the master of Satan or you're following your master God. And so here Paul draws this distinction dead to sin alive to God brought from death to life and that that being brought from death to life should change how you live because sin should no longer be your master and we go oh, that's great preacher that's really good to know but how do we actually do that well paul kind of tells paul kind of tells us he says in verse 23 Be made new in the attitude of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God. So if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to look more like Jesus, it's going to start in your mind as you put on the new self. You you notice how there's action here. You have to put off the old self who you were before and you have to put on the new self. Let me give you an an analogy just because. Um, There have been times in my life where I've gone outside and done something in the heat, you know. Let me just use last night because this is a good example and I don't want to offend you. Uh, yesterday, we went on the uh, big ride. We went up to Council Grove, a strong city, and we had lunch and uh, real-life riders, and we came back. It was hot yesterday. And the ride back from Council Grove, we were just in the sun all the way back. We were all just pretty well exhausted by the time we got home. So I was hot. I was sweaty. Uh, I never stink, so I probably wasn't stinky. Um, but I was sweaty and sticky, right? You know, you, it's been sweaty and it kind of dries. You're just sticky and gross. Um, well, I was tired and so I didn't want to take a shower. So I just went in and kind of changed my clothes. I put off my old, stinky, sweaty clothes and I put on some new clothes. That didn't help very much. <laughs> You've done that before, and you go, I'm still kind of sticky and gross. I put on new clothes, but it didn't help. So there's this process that we go through in our lives when we come to God. We put off our stinky, sweaty, sinful clothes, right? God spiritually cleanses us through the Holy Spirit, through things like um, our confession, our belief, uh, baptism. He cleanses us like washing and then when we put on new clothes, we could be a new person, right? That, that stinky, sinful, sweaty, gross stuff isn't with us anymore. But sometimes we try to put on the new clothes without getting rid of the stink. And it doesn't work. It stays with us. So if we want to look more like Jesus, it's going to start in our mind as we actively put off our old self, we allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, and then we actively put on the new self through the way that we behave. Let me talk about that. Paul wrote in Romans 12 that the way you cease to be conformed to the sinful pattern of the world around you is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here we have this passage in Ephesians 4 and in Romans 12 where Paul says in both places look the key to looking more like Jesus and to living like him and to putting on the new self is your mind. is how you think. So here's how this looks. Because if you you don't understand this you'll continue in the same old habits you had instead of creating new habits that help you look more like Jesus. So you may have heard um, years ago there was a a guy who was actually a plastic surgeon and he recognized that it took about 21 days for people after they had had some kind of cosmetic surgery done. It took them about 21 days before um, they became comfortable with their new look. And so he reasoned that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Maybe you've heard about that before. Just do the same thing for 21 days and you'll create a new habit. Now, I don't know about you, but that hasn't always worked for me. There's some new scientific studies out because that guy was back in the 70s. But I don't know if you knew that. Back in the early 70s, I think, when he came across that and said 21 days to create a habit. But it can really take up to 60 days or more to create a habit. And usually what you're doing is simply replacing one habit with another. You're not really kicking a bad habit. You just find another habit to put in its place. Psychologist Tim Pitchell said this, breaking a habit really means establishing a new habit. A new response that's more powerful than the old habit. There's a good chance um, you might know somebody who's done this, or maybe you yourself have. You've broken one habit by replacing it with another. You gave up smoking, but you took up snacking. Have I done that? You got. I got. I got to have something in my hand, right? I got to have something in my in my mouth because that takes my mind off that. And so we replace one habit with another. To successfully break a habit, you need to link it to your strongest motivation which will drive the new habit to replace the old habit. Now, where are habits formed? In the mind. Uh, Habits are formed because it helps us um, not think about certain things. I can't remember if I told you this or not, but about uh, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I went in the bathroom one morning to brush my teeth, and uh, this is just really weird. I don't know. I don't, this is just really weird. It's probably just me. Um, but when I brush my teeth, because I'm right handed, I brush my teeth, I lean on the sink with my left hand. And then I feel off balance like one leg is longer than the other. It's really weird. It messes with my head. And so what I decided to do, I thought, I've been brushing my teeth with my right hand my entire, entire life, 40 some years. And so I wonder if I could switch if it would make any difference. So for about a year and a half or two years, I've been brushing my teeth with my left hand. I've gotten so good at it that I don't have to think about it anymore because my brain has created a habit. And so when I walk into the bathroom to brush my teeth, I grab the toothbrush with my left hand. I don't even think about it. It's kind of weird. Once in a while, I go, this is weird. (laughs) This is put in the toothpaste. It's like, I don't do that with anything else in my life, but I just, I tried that. And so, um, and so what happens is your brain kind of relegates these things to habits because if we had to think about every single thing we did in our lives, we just, we'd burn up, you know, the little emoji with the exploding head. We have to have habits so that we can kind of check out of certain things and think about other things. So what attitude? should the follower of Jesus have in their mind? How should our lives be transformed by the renewing process of our minds? How does that work? Well, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says that the people's thinking became futile. That's the word he uses in Ephesians 4. And their hearts were darkened, another word from Ephesians 4, when they refused to do two things. He says, when they refused to glorify God, Or give thanks to Him. Their thinking became futile and their hearts became darkened. Gratitude and thankfulness. Open your mind to the presence of God in your life and allow you to see His blessings and His work. And the more grateful and thankful you are, the more habits you will change. Because gratefulness and thankfulness are incredibly strong emotions and motivations think about this when you are ungrateful in your life or or unthankful maybe there's been times in your life where things just haven't gone the way you thought they should and you were ungrateful or unthankful in your life when that is the case we very quickly begin looking for the worst in everybody else and in ourselves when i'm ungrateful or unthankful Everything is terrible. I hate everything. I hate everybody. Life is just bad. Everybody is the worst. Why can't anybody do what they're supposed to do? It's just bad. But when you're grateful and thankful, you expect the best from yourself. You expect the best from others. And you're more likely to be forgiving and less critical when you don't get the best from others. So being grateful and thankful completely changes the way you think, and it affects every other aspect of your life. When we're around people who are ungrateful or unthankful, everything is horrible. Go to Facebook for about five minutes and scroll your newsfeed, you'll see exactly what I'm saying. There are some people on there who every single thing they post is, life is terrible, and this is horrible, and nobody loves me, and it's just awful. And that's because when we're ungrateful and unthankful, our mind begins to follow that. And we begin to act like that, and we act it out, and pretty soon, nobody's doing anything good for us. Nobody loves us. Nobody is good enough. But when we are grateful and thankful, even when things stink, we still have a positive outlook on life. And we can still say, life is good, and God loves me, and and I'm becoming something better than I was before, and we can be thankful and grateful through those things. And where does thankfulness and gratefulness come from? It comes from God. When we're grateful to God for what He's done, when we're thankful for the things that He's brought into our lives, even when they're not great, because let's be honest, who we were before, a lot of the things that we experienced in our life before are because we made bad choices. Because we didn't do the thing that maybe we should have done. And if we were following God's word, like not myself, my own thinking that's darkened and sinful, but I was following God's word, I maybe not have got stuck in those things that I did before. So you can either continue to be grumpy and darkened and hardened. You can continue to be, be the same as you were before. But if you're a follower of Jesus... God is calling you to something more. To become the person he created you to be. A grateful and thankful follower of Jesus who looks more like Jesus every day. And so if you're a believer this morning, you and I have got to stop living like we're still tied to what we died to. That's what Paul says, right? If you're a Christian, you've died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? These two things are incompatible, who you were before and who you were becoming. They're completely different and life changed in the middle. And so you have to choose to live who you are becoming. You have to choose to live like Jesus. And we often find out that we're still tied to what we were supposed to die to because we choose those things. And Paul says you got to change your habits. you got to replace that with something else. And so those times in your life when you would normally do this thing over here, you got to do this thing over here. you got to be like George on Seinfeld, who was opposite George and just did everything the opposite of what his natural instinct was. And life got better for him, right? Because he was grateful and thankful. This kind of showed my age a little bit. That's all right. L- let me give you some practical things. Look, if you're married... Make a list of the reasons you're thankful for your spouse. I'm not kidding about this. Get on your phone. Get a piece of paper. Don't show it to them. Don't leave it out in the open for them to find, okay? But make a list somewhere of the reasons you're thankful for your spouse. Maybe it's just, and maybe you like, my spouse is terrible and horrible and nothing good. But every morning they get up and go to work. And the money that they make from that job helps put food on the table and a roof over your head. And so maybe what you can be thankful for is just that they get up and go to work. Maybe all they do is take the trash out. This is one little thing. Or, or, or making a meal. Or, or maybe it has nothing to do with you, but you can say, look, my spouse, I don't like my spouse, we don't get along, but they love my kids. Find something to be thankful for and focus on that. Let me tell you what will happen. You will find more and more things very quickly to be thankful for. As you focus on what you're thankful for, not what you're unthankful for, your mind naturally begins to key in on those things and you become more and more thankful for your spouse. Instead of always complaining about what you don't have, maybe start showing some gratitude for what God has given you. Your car might not be new but it runs your house isn't big but it's comfortable your job isn't great but you get a paycheck find something to be grateful for and you'll soon find more and more to be grateful for as you change your mind as your mind is renewed you won't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world who you were before, but you'll find you're becoming more like Jesus. And if you don't know this morning whether or not you've died to what you've been tied to, we can help you with that. Tonight at 7.30 at the pool, we'll take a few moments out during that pool party to do some baptisms. We've got a couple people registered already for that. Immersion is not just about obedience. It's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 6 when he said this, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We can become someone different. If you even want the chance to live a new life, it starts with choosing Jesus and choosing to obe- be obedient in baptism. If you're ready to choose Jesus today, to stop being who you were before and start becoming more like Jesus, or if you're ready to take the step of faith and obedience and be baptized so you can live that new life. We want you to stop at the Connection Hub after the service this morning and let them know that you're ready to choose Jesus and or you're ready to be baptized. We'll get you registered and then show up tonight at 730 and we'll get that taken care of. Look, who you are is who you choose to be. And if you choose Jesus, if you chose Jesus before, now choose to look more like him every day. Because whether you continue as the old you or become the new you, it depends on you. Let's pray. God, thanks for the Holy Spirit that helps us, that gives us the strength and the courage, the hope to live a new life. To not just Give in to who we've been, but to become who you created us to be. Father, we want to look more like your son Jesus in our lives. We want to be thankful people. We want to be grateful people. Nobody wants to be grumpy. And yet we need your help to to renew our minds, to focus on those things, and to see our lives change, and you can do that. God, we want there to be a picture that people can see in our lives. We want it to be different, who we were before and who we're becoming. Would you help us do that today? In Jesus' name, amen.